Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Jealousy is the most destructive dynamic in the life. That person in your life, they're not the enemy. Satan has convinced you, deceived you really, that your battle is with them. It's not. It's with the enemy, not with flesh and blood. Your boss is not the enemy. Your wife, your husband, your children even, they're not the enemy. Satan's the enemy. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Jealousy has the potential to completely ruin relationships. In today's message, Pastor J.D. teaches from the book of Philippians, where Paul speaks to the conflict within the church and how those conflicts should be resolved when they arise. Listen to Pastor J.D. today as he teaches two simple and effective strategies you can use to resolve conflict in your own relationships. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're all given over to jealousy. Pure and simple, it's covetousness. We're jealous of one another. Listen to what James says, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, God's not going to answer a prayer if your heart is not right. The scriptures are replete when it comes to jealousy and covetousness. Throughout the Old Testament, we see examples of lives utterly and totally destroyed because of covetousness. I mean, it eats your lunch. Jealousy will just, I mean, it will destroy. And again, Satan knows it. And that's why he uses this to bring about the destruction that he wishes to bring in our lives. To me, one of the main causes for conflict in the life of a Christian, and especially in the life of a church, is jealousy. Once Satan succeeds in getting a foothold, now he's got his foot in the door, now he's going to start planting seeds in your mind. Understand that Satan is not all-knowing. He does not know what you're thinking. Only God does. Satan cannot read your mind, but here's what he can do. He can plant thoughts in your mind. Maybe by way of an illustration, give you an example of how this works. Okay, so you're here in church, and we're praising and worshiping. And, you know, you start off, it's so far so good. And, you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you know. 
And then all of a sudden, Satan is right there, and he puts a thought in your mind like, why are they on the worship team? Huh. I'm a better vocalist than they are. And so now all of a sudden, there's this covetousness, this jealousy of that other Christian that has what you think you should have. So now all of a sudden, it's game on. So after the service, oh, we couch it in such spiritual terms. You know, I didn't really care for the worship today. Yeah, you know, this... The song selection, I didn't really know the songs. and Yeah, and that, that one, you know, gal on the worship team, she was kind of, you know, I noticed she wasn't really, you know, she was flat, and it, was kinda, it kind of was a distraction for me. I mean, I was trying to praise the Lord, and then, you know, all of a sudden she just took me out of that, out of that worshipful, you know, state that I was in, and now all of a sudden I'm like, wow, you know, and yeah, and, you know, pastors are probably... I'm sad to say, the worst when it comes to this, being jealous of other pastors. And I have to confess that, you know, this is of course many years ago when I first entered the ministry and my first pastorate, the first church that I planted, I was really young, I had so much to learn, I'm still learning so much. But... Satan was very successful in getting me to compare my church with the other church. So he's putting thoughts in my mind like, huh, they just went to three services. Things are jamming there, yeah? Things are going and growing, and look at you. Hmm. And so jealousy covetousness. It is so destructive. It is so destructive. Would you believe me if I told you that a church actually split over someone hiding the vacuum cleaner from someone else? No. No, no. For real. Because they didn't want the other person to be seen vacuuming and serving. They wanted to vacuum so they could be seen. What a servant. Wow. True story. And again, I I take no delight in sharing this, but I think it's apropos for what we're talking about today. But a church actually split over someone getting a bigger piece of cheesecake than somebody else. It's painfully sad, but it's true. And again, Satan knows this. But jealousy is the most destructive dynamic in a life. That person in your life, they're not the enemy. Satan has convinced you, deceived you really, that your battle is with them. It's not. It's with the enemy, not with flesh and blood. Your boss is not the enemy. Your wife, your husband, your children even. They're not the enemy. Satan's the enemy. And the principalities and the powers of darkness are the enemy. Here's the last one. We fight because we're full of pride. 
And as such, we are easily hurt in our pride, in our ego, if you prefer. Listen to Proverbs twelve sixteen. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Let me say it this way. The problem with pride is it makes us hypersensitive to what others say and what others do. And the reason is, is because we think it's all about us. So here we are worshiping that worship song. It's all about you, Jesus. Liar. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm speaking of myself. It's not really about you, Jesus. All about me. Come on, let's be honest. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And when we do, you can just set the stopwatch. It's just a matter of time before someone's going to say something or do something, and they're going to offend me. The nerve. Don't they know that's my parking spot? Oh, didn't know that you had a parking spot. It's this pride where we become full of ourselves. We think it's all about ourselves. And so all it takes is for somebody to say something that's like, oh, the nerve. Who do they think they are? Or how about this one? Don't they know who I am? Many years ago, my wife was working with this um, flight attendant, and she shared this story that, you know, she was in first class, And she had this passenger one day that, you know, was so arrogant, so obnoxious, just demanding and, you know, here, hang up my jacket. Where's my drink? Sits down in his seat, you know, just kind of like I own the plane. And she walks up to him and says, "Um, you know, is there anything I can get you? And he said, don't you know who I am? To which she... (laughs) responds, no, I'm I'm sorry, I don't. And then she peels back that curtain, you know, between first class and coach, where the other people are. And she yells out, hey, does anybody know who he is? I don't know, there's just kind of a sanctified something about a story like that. (laughs) It's when I humble myself, not thinking more highly of myself, but instead value others above myself, that I won't be offended. It doesn't get to me. I heard it said of those who enter the ministry, especially as pastors, that you need to have the mind of a scholar, the heart of a child, and the hide of a rhinoceros. Yeah. I think that Christians oftentimes in their own pride become too thin-skinned. And we take everything personally because we think it's all about us. Listen to what Paul wrote in an earlier chapter in this epistle to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. 
Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Boy, I tell you, that'll diffuse any conflict. It's like pouring water on the fire instead of pouring gasoline on the fire. Well, let's turn the corner now and talk quickly about how we as Christians can resolve conflict with others. I hope that this does not come off like an oversimplification, but it really is simple, and rightfully so, but there are two simple and effective ways that we as Christians can resolve those conflicts before they get out of hand and become destructive. The first way in a word, is gentleness. Gentleness. I've been thinking a lot about gentleness as of late, and if I could be so honest and candid with you, it's because this is an area in my life that I've asked the Lord to help me with. I want to be more gentle. I want to be more gentle in the way that I deal with people. I want to be more gentle especially in the way that I deal with my wife, and also gentle in the way that I deal with my children. You know, growing up when I was younger, my boys at the time were young, I was pretty hard on them. And I think there's that saying, I'm probably going to botch it, but oh well, I think you'll get the point. You can get a lot more with honey than you can vinegar, right? And I just think about being sweet and kind and gentle. And I think for guys, our problem is, is that we equate it with, make it synonymous with weakness. You know, there's a reason why we're supposed to be called gentlemen, gentlemen. I want it to be said of me that he was a gentleman. He was gentle. Paul says that we are to be so gentle that it's evident as to characterize our lives. In other words, it's kind of like this. He's saying, don't be so harsh with one another. Be gentle. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Sometimes it's not even what we say, it's how we say what we say. Here's an example. I I just thought of this. I'm going to say the same thing in two different ways, and I'm going to use my brother Artie over here, because I don't think he minds. Artie, you're such a jerk. (laughs) Or, Artie, you are such a jerk. Whoa. There are fighting words. There's bite and fight in those words. It's harsh. And it's certain to stir up anger. And boy, don't we do that in our marriages? It's not what we say, it's how we say what we say. And there are two deadly words that every husband and every wife should remove completely from their vocabulary. You know what they are? Oh, you you know what they are. You'll know when I tell you. Always and never. You always, or you never. 
Me? What about you? Try this one on for size. You could tell that I speak from experience. I know a little bit too much about this, don't I? <laughs> Listen, I do, and I have the scars to prove it. The wife is upset with you, husband. And she communicates to you, as only a wife can, just how upset she is with you. What if you said something like this, honey, I'm sorry. You're right. The Lord's been dealing with me on this. First of all, she would probably be stunned in disbelief, right? <laughs> kind of like, what'd you do with my husband? You look exactly like him, but you're not him. What'd you do with him? And she'll probably, by the way, and again, I, I guess I speak from experience, she'll probably test you just to see, wait, wait, what? What'd you say? For a second there, I thought you said, you're right. What husband can, without difficulty and effortlessly, utter those words? <laughs> Honey, you're right. Honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, like the Fonz and Happy Days. I know that dates me, but I was three when uh, Happy Days. <laughs> Could not utter those words. You know, just could not come out of his mouth. And I think we're like that. As Christians, Proverbs 25, verse 15, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. You know, a gentle word has far more impact than when you're yelling. I remember growing up, my mom, she had these vocal cords, actually was a good singer, and man, she would hit a certain key when she was yelling at me, which was very often. <laughs> and she had this accent, and she would yell and, you know, in this high-pitched tone, and I just completely tuned her out. Did not hear a word she said. I'll never forget one time. It's as clear as it was yesterday, when in a rare moment... <laughs> She very gently, very softly said, Habibi, my love in Arabic, I need to talk with you. And I'm like, what? Here's another one that's going to date me, and uh, just real quick. You remember that shampoo commercial? I think it was back in the 70s. And they had this woman on there in a real soft voice going, if you want to get somebody's attention, whisper. No, no. Right? So you're talking to somebody and you're like, hey, psst, come here. What? As opposed to, hey! Oh, sorry. <laughs> you see the difference? A gentle tongue can break. This is what Paul writes to Timothy in his second letter, verses 23 through 26. He says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be, here it is, gently instructed. 
in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. They're saved, but they need to repent. And here's why. Listen to this. This might jam some gears. And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. What? Yes. They've fallen into the trap of the devil and have become an agent of the devil and are doing his bidding instead of him and for him. Escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. This is to a church. These are to Christians. Satan has trapped them and taken them captive, and now they're doing his job for him and instead of him. Here's the second way, and we'll bring it to a close. This is interesting because it's knowing the Lord's return is near. Notice at the end of verse 5, after this exhortation to be gentle, Paul says, the Lord is near. Now, the question is, does he mean the Lord is near to them? Or does it mean the Lord's return is near? I would argue it's both. And I'll explain why. The emphasis is on the Lord's return because of what Paul said prior about being earthly or heavenly minded in the verses that precede this. In other words, it's our heavenly minded awareness of Christ's soon return that causes us to rejoice in the Lord, draw near to the Lord, and when we draw near to the Lord, He draws near to us, and what happens is we will be more gentle and loving one to another. I want to close with a quote from Charles Spurgeon who said it best. As a cure for disagreements, the apostle says, rejoice in the Lord always. People who are very happy, especially those who are very happy in the Lord, are not apt either to give offense or to take offense. Here's why. Their minds are so sweetly occupied with higher things, heavenly minded that they are not easily distracted by the little troubles which naturally arise among such imperfect creatures as we are. Joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. The Lord is near. Let's be gentle. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to encourage you to continue studying the book of Philippians on your own. Spend time today in God's Word, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal something new about your Savior as you read. The Bible is filled with promises and lessons that apply to you right now, even though it was written long ago. You'll always benefit from time spent in Scripture. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Philippians 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to make this a priority. 
A church family can be a source of support and encouragement, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. Farag. You can find out more and get directions at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor JD's Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to 